Misery loves company. Whenever I think of misery, I grab my friend Eeyore and it reminds me to take a look at what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm paying attention to because I don't want to be miserable. Why? Because misery loves company. If I'm miserable about something, I'm going to spread that energy to people around me or people I'm interacting with and then they're going to focus on the things that they're miserable about and just like throwing a rock into a pond or an Eeyore into a pond or a little bluebird of happiness. I have a bluebird of happiness. Not a, he's not blue because he's sad. He's blue because he's happy. She's probably a she-bird. She has pretty cute coloring and little little cute eyes. Either way, gender has nothing to do with happiness and misery, right? There are just as many miserable men as there are women and vice versa. And whatever the, the, the classifications are these days. So Eeyore. Eeyore is my misery reminder. And misery loves company. This isn't an expression that's been around for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years. It was actually first used in the play called Dr. Faustus. Faust, yeah, Faustus. Dr. Faustus. That's it. Dr. Faustus in the 16th century. It was playing the, my last video, playing the 16th century. Post-it notes everywhere. Uh, and it's about a man who was prepared to give up all hope. He was, he was hopeless. And so he decided that he was going to sign a pact with the devil for the next 24 years having all of his desires fulfilled. So he signed a pact with the devil and the, and the story goes on to talk about Dr. Faustus. But this saying, misery loves company, became very popular at that time. Fellow sufferers like to make unhappiness easier to bear by having other people feel unhappy and miserable or sad too. Uh, look at how we congregate. People congregate around pain around misery there's you know support groups for every problem or or thing that's happened to people there's victim support groups there's um alcoholics anonymous or other addiction support groups they're all coming together around their pain now they're coming together around the pain the common thing that that brings them together i'm a hundred percent certain they're coming together for solutions to find solutions but there is um i, I want to say power in talking out and letting things go. That's why there's a therapy industry, right? The whole therapy industry is based on people talking about the past and their problems and, and how they can uh, get, get rid of them. But what does this have to do with our businesses, right? What does misery have to do with our businesses? A whole lot of people from, you know, it's been a year now, 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic, a whole lot of business owners are having a lot of challenges and a lot of change that they have to incorporate into their everyday lives now, into their businesses. They have to change their processes and procedures, their business practices, their systems to add a whole layer, a whole new element of safety and sanitation and security. A lot of them didn't have to pay attention to before, right? Yeah, your place was pretty much clean, but it wasn't to the level that it needs to be now for us to continue and run our businesses and, and keep the public safe from something as crazy as a pandemic. So, fellow sufferers, have you ever listened to a, a conversation around the water cooler? I noticed this in corporate America a lot or in the break room. There would be people would, would come together and there would be a group that was complaining and bitching and moaning about something. There'd be the groups that were talking about a new project that they were excited about. And you could actually walk into the room and almost feel the energy and the difference. One side of the break room, I remember one work environment in particular, one side of the break room was always people that were bitching and moaning and complaining about things and were negative and, and were, you know, the company or their manager, or their boss or their coworker had always done these things. And they were all like one-upping each other on, 
who had had the worst experience, who was the most miserable. And the other side of the break room, it was really funny. One was in the like darker side of the break room and one was in the sunny side of the break room by the windows. The people that sat by the windows were usually the ones that were forward focused. They were talking about and thinking about or sharing information about a project that they were working on or they were collaborating on things. And it was just crazy to walk into that room and, and notice the drastic change. And I, I doubt that the people that were in there noticed it but as a as a new person to the environment a new person to the culture it was it was like night and day black and white it was clear as a bell clear as a bell i'm not clear i'm not sure where clear as a bell comes from uh but it was really easy to see the difference so in our organizations as we're building our business as we're growing and supersizing our business and adding more people and adding more elements and adding more relationships and communications and entities into it we have to be really cognizant and careful and aware of the impact that it's having on our overall culture how do you know that well you listen to people's conversations you listen to and observe the people in your organization are they working together to create a culture and an environment of positive upbeat everybody's moving toward the vision everybody in the organization clearly understands what their piece of the puzzle is to move toward the whole puzzle, the whole business that you're trying to create. And if they don't, you've got some work to do, but you want to know better now than just continuing to let it go for the next 10 years and realizing that a culture has created itself that is not conducive to moving you toward your goal and objective, the business that you're trying to create. Uh, better to find out now and do something because now's the only time we can really do anything anyway. And decide I am going to create this type of a culture for my environment. This is the type of business that I want to create in the world and make sure that you're driving that. How do you do that? By leading by example, by being the example of what you want to see with respect to culture, behaviors, communications, relationships within the organization. You as the owner and the head of that department, division, or the business as a whole, that's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to determine and set the tone for your work, your area of responsibility, the people that you're responsible for. So if you're the, the creator, the founder, the owner, the big wig, the CEO of the organization, it all falls upon you. If you have one division or one department that's got a, a, a sick culture in it or a misery focused culture, it's your responsibility to work with the leader of that department, that organization to change that environment, change that culture. Guess what? Sometimes the leader of that part of the company is the problem and if they don't see that everybody is falling in line and behaving just like they do then that's a, a learning opportunity and a choice it's always someone's choice whether they're going to change your behavior or not or create what it is that you're all trying to create together so pay attention to communication relationships in your organization and hi uh, be know that you have an important role to play in that and you can't you can't delegate that to somebody I and mean, you can hold your managers and your people, team members accountable to that. But if you're not communicating and leading by example and setting the tone for the organization, just like a brand, our brand, we all have a brand whether we know it or not. Most of us by default, but the people that do it on purpose, it's really, it's amazing to watch and see how powerful that is. We need to do the same thing with our culture in our organizations. We need to audit and pay attention and then put systems and processes and procedures in place or habits and practices that create the culture long-term that we want. So we can have the communication and the relationships and the teamwork and the leadership that we need to create the difference we want to make in the world. So love to know your particular experience with Misery Loves Company. I think 
some of the industries I've been in, and some of them are more misery focused than others. And in each industry, there's the most miserable segment of that industry, and then there's most positive and optimistic segment of that industry, and everything in between. And you get to decide what area you're gonna work in by what type of customers and clients you attract and what type problems products and your products and services solve for people. Uh, I noticed this in social media, people congregate together around pain. Now I've had chronic pain since I was young. And so I joined some chronic pain groups to see, well, what are they talking about? What are they doing? What are they, you know, what have they got for solutions that I might not have thought of yet? Cause I've been pretty much doing it on my own for 30, 40 years and just figuring it out as I, as I go along. Well, I thought, well, there's a lot of people, you know, there's a hundred thousand people in one group, 12,000, 15,000, 30,000 in another. There's gotta be people in there that know more than I do. So I started going into those groups and realized they were, 99% focused on their pain and how it was destroying their life and how everything was awful and everything was everybody else's fault. And I got out of them as quickly as I possibly could. I actually started my own. That's all about solutions. It's nothing to do with, uh, you know, your symptoms and your medicine and you can't get your medicine or, or complaining or, you know, the state's not taking care of you or the government or whatever. Those groups were so heavy with misery and they've got lots of members because people like to, to come together and, and they feel better. If somebody else, then we compare ourselves to others, whether we want to or not. If somebody else is more miserable and worse than you, you count your blessings and you think, oh my God, thank goodness I'm not as bad as Sally. But then if somebody feels better than you, you start comparing yourself to them. And you're like, well, geez, that person doesn't even hardly have chronic pain. Why are they even in here complaining? So... Or if you're upbeat and there are people accuse you of being, you know, a Pollyanna or only looking at the bright side of things. Hello, what's wrong with looking at the bright side of things? That was my question. So I, I quickly removed myself from those groups before I was removed from them. But there's examples of that all around us. And we just have to be careful to pay attention to who we're associating with and how we're showing up. Because whether we know it or not, people pay attention to what we're doing a lot more than what we're saying. Have an awesome day. I'll be with you tomorrow with another interesting idiom, 100 Days of Proverbs, what they mean, where they came from, and how you might use them in your business and your life right now. Take care. Bye. Don't be miserable today. Choose to be happy.